people at SailingGodsPeople.org with your host, Dennis Beard. We're talking about the tribulation. Mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib, ones of rapture. And this is very key to understanding the work of the ministry. Why tribulation? Because tribulation worketh patience, patience worketh experience, experience worketh hope. Hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost. Jesus stated that he would be with us even until the end of the world. Amen. We find that in Matthew 28, 19. Go ye into all the world, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Until the end of the age. Not before. Not some seven-year uh, pre-tribulation rapture. But definitely coming after the great tribulation. Now, we take a look at Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and we're going to find some key elements there. Somebody said, well, I don't think it makes any difference as long as we just believe in Jesus that it'll all pan out, called the pan out doctrine. But yet Paul states that it'll take heed lest a singular promise slip any of you that you should seem to come short of entering into his rest. We must believe the word of God. In Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, it states about that uh, Mount Elevat where Jesus is speaking and about the uh, temple there and said, one stone will be left upon top of another that shall not be thrown down as it was fulfilled in Titus, son of Vespasian, 70 AD. But there's a time that he talked about the coming of the Son of Man. Now, take a look at Matthew 24, and many of you already know uh, exactly what Jesus said there, but to point to uh, two specific scriptures that relate to the revelation of when the rapture takes place. Now, of course, we rise is not the physical word, literal word, rapture in the Bible, in the Word of God. However, there is a catching up, and there's no problem with saying there's a rapture. But there is when we need to know when and why there is this tribulation. Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and somebody says, well, it doesn't make any difference. Yes, it does. We find in Amos 9, verse 9, that God said uh, that he would sift Israel among the nations. And as a uh, farmer there would sift his grain, his wheat, and not the least grain would fall to the ground. Very key next verse, Amos 9.10, But I'll destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword, which say no evil shall prevent nor overtake us. Why so radical a statement to destroy my people by the sword, which say no evil shall prevent nor overtake us. And that evil is raw, tribulation. Why would it be such a profound statement and judgment upon the people that say there is no tribulation? And God said he would destroy his people by the sword, the word of God, that sword that proceeds out of his mouth at his coming. So as we take a look at it in Matthew 24, We'll see Jesus expounding on that. And he talks about, pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, the Shabbat. 
And he goes on and says, for then shall be great tribulation. Now you'll find that in Matthew 24, 21. Great tribulation means great tribulation. Now, if you believe a pre-tribulation rapture, then you're going to have a seven years of great tribulation that they believe is Daniel 9, 27. We totally disagree with that because he will confirm the covenant with many from one week and in the midst of the week, he will cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. Who causes the sacrifice and oblation to cease? Jesus dead on the cross by his one offering has perfected forever them that are sanctified, taking the ordinances of the law that were contrary to us, nailing it to his cross, thereby making peace, and of the twain making one new man. This is exactly what Jesus did, and he will confirm the covenant with many for one week. Well, he was cut off in the midst of the week, but not for himself. And who shall declare his generation? And generations that shall be counted for the seed. And Jesus spoke about that generation, that this generation should not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Not a 40-year generation of uh, Israel becoming a nation in 1948, May the 14th in 1948, and therefore 40-year generation, 1988 in Rosh Hashanah. There were many books written, the Lord coming in 1988, and deceived many people. Uh, That is just not the case. Uh, He's speaking of that generation should not pass. That generation is counted for the seed. And in Matthew 1, you'll see there's 42 generations. And from Abraham to David, 14 generations. David carried away into Babylon, 14 generations. And then from the carrying away into Babylon unto Jesus, 13 generations of who it's called Jesus, uh, who was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now that Christ is the 14th generation or the 42nd generation, which is counted for the seed. But that seed, that generation has to be in the fullness and power of Christ and the mystery of godliness. That mystery, God manifests in the flesh. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh until its fullness. This gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world for witness in all nations and then the end will come. So here we find that Jesus said, for then shall be great tribulation in the time of winter and in the time of that Sabbath, the the consummation of all things. For then shall be great tribulation. We're still here. The church is still here, just as he said it would be. And there will be a great falling away, just as Paul stated in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, having their conscience said with a hard arm, forbidding to marry, and abstaining from each which God has sanctified by the word of God in prayer. We see Paul elaborate this very distinctly in Second Thessalonians, the second chapter. And we'll take a look at that in a minute as we see this great tribulation means great tribulation. And in Matthew 24, 21, he states, For then shall be great tribulation. How great a tribulation? Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Past, present, and future. This will be the worst time of trouble than ever before in tribulation. Now, he goes on to say, except those days you be shortened, and no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, the elect is not the national Israel, it's the church. 
and uh, Israel has been planted in part until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. We're the wild olive branches graft in and stand by faith. But all Israel will be saved. And he states there uh, that there will be great tribulation, not only the worst that there has been then present or ever shall be. A time of trouble such as never been before since it was a nation unto this present time nor ever shall be. So this is obviously the great tribulation that Jesus is talking. He's referring to. Then he goes on and we see except those days be shortened and so flesh be saved but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. He goes on and tells us about the timing of this. He says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even to the west, verse 27, then so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now the Son of Man, we see, is coming with 10,000 of his saints. And that is, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But Jude tells us there will be thousands of coming with the Lord at his coming. And we find that the spirits of just men in heaven in Hebrews 12. But the spirits of just men will be literally resurrected in their bodies again. Because it's a body, soul, and spirit in the resurrection from the dead, not Jesus. After he resurrected from the dead, many of the graves were opened after his resurrection and walked around openly in the streets of Jerusalem. Those did not die again. But we find in uh, that fifth seal, under that altar in heaven, that altar, we see the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. And they said, O Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before thou avenge your blood upon them that dwell upon the earth? Now those spirits of just men are made perfect, but they have not had resurrected bodies yet. And that's why we see in Daniel 4, the army of heaven, and then in Revelation 19, the armies in heaven. And uh, that resurrection, there will be a resurrection. Blessed holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Now all will be raised. But the ones that missed that first resurrection will be in that resurrection there, the judgment, and wind up. They're in Gehenna in the second death. Therefore, we have to give the earnest heed and know the truth for given to us to know the times and the seasons. He goes on and says, For as the lightning shineth out of the east, even to the west, even so also the coming of the Son of Man be. And goes on and says, For wheresoever the eagles uh, are there, the eagles, the carcasses, the eagles will be gathered together. The very next verse, verse 29, very important. Immediately, not during the tribulation, not before the tribulation, the great tribulation that he just spoke of, there in verse 21. 
Matthew 24, verse 29 says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the great tribulation, what will happen then? Shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light? The same that we see in the sixth seal in Revelation 6. And the stars shall fall from heaven. We see that also in the promise of God in Hebrews 12. The Lord promised yet once more, I shake not only the earth as he did in the days of Moses when he gave him the Ten Commandments in Mount Sinai. And he ascended upon the mountain and it was a great earthquake and the mountain smoked and was on fire. The people were exceedingly afraid and told Moses, let God speak to you and we will hear God from you. Don't let us hear the voice of God lest we perish. And there was so great a sound, the trumpet sounding louder and louder that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. That was a great time. The voice of the Lord heard by Israel and the 70 went up the seven times that Moses went up into the mountain in Mount Sinai they there to receive the law. But we find that God has promised yet once more, Hebrews 12, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Here's a shaking of it here. The stars in heaven shaken. Sun in the darkness, moon in the blood. Stars in heaven shaken. Shake not only earth, but also heaven. Yet once more, the Lord hath promised. He shakes not only the earth, but also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be removed. Why is God doing this? As of things that are made. Everything that is man-made doctrine that is not in God. Only what's in the word of God will stand. Everything else will be literally removed as of things that are made. Every man-made doctrine will be destroyed. There it says there, the Lord hath promised yet once more. If he promised it, he certainly will do it. He will perform the doing of it. That he shakes not, shakes not only earth, but also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be, may be removed as of things that are made. So then that we, those that cannot be shaken, may remain, seeing then that we have a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Now this consumption, this consuming fire, is not to destroy all mankind, but the consumption decreed will overflow in righteousness. This is the work of the ministry. This is God's strange act, bring to pass his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act, in Isaiah 28. We'll also see that this is a time of great tribulation. At that time, in Isaiah 26, uh, 20, God says, enter into your chambers. That chambers, the chambers, priest chambers, were in Solomon's temple. It's where the treasures were held in the priest chambers. It is literally the crown 
on top of the building in the Temple of Solomon. In that we have all the treasures of gold and silver in the chambers. And we find in Ezekiel, when he tells Ezekiel to go in and see the chambers of the priest imagery, the priest, yes, in their chambers of their mind, and they were offering to the sun and to Molech and had their backs turned to God and worshiping the sun. And these were the priests that were doing this, and Ezekiel saw it. And he said, see what they do in their chambers, in their imagery, this imagination that they're not casting down and bringing it into subjection to Jesus. To enter into your chambers is not, and reiterate, is not the rapture. That is the word of God that you have in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the oil in your lamp that will enable you to stand, which is why that God is sealing his people according to Revelation 7, which is by his word. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sealed by the Holy Ghost. That Holy Ghost is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Ghost leading you and guiding you into all truth. And that truth and oil of, the, of your lamp is in your spirit. And that is in the intuition of where faith is held. That's the reason why Jesus said, When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. That's entering into your chambers. But if you have no faith, there's no way to enter into your chambers. And it was always at the head, the top of the temple, in the upper chambers. Why? Because it reveals the thought, plan, purpose, and will of a person. The affections of a believer. Set our affections on the things above, not on the things beneath. Any man that sets his affections on the earthly things and loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But we have to turn to the Word because the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, will speak of me for all the Father's given has given unto me. He's gone back to his former glory. Glorified with the Father's own self, John 17, 5. But he said the Holy Ghost will speak of me. That Son of God, office of the Spirit and will show you things which will come to pass. That is the revelation of Jesus that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. The servants of God will be sealed in their foreheads by these things being revealed. That's the chambers that you have in your spirit, that you have sought God and the truth and the oil of your lamp being your chambers. That's not a rapture. That is the truth of the word that you're lifted higher in glory while being here on the earth, just as Enoch, just as Elijah. They were caught up into that heaven. We find that Elijah, after the chariot of fire and the horses of fire carried him up by a whirlwind. The whirlwind is a deep, calleth unto the deep, and God answers by the water spouts. That's a whirlpool of truth. It is a uh, whirlwind of truth. And that is what 
is the chambers of your imagery, which is where the word of God has to be in order to stand, which is the ceiling of Revelation 7. Now, as we see here in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, we're going to see that it's immediately after the tribulation of those days that the sun shall be dark and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven. The powers in heaven shall be shaken just as Jesus said he would. And Paul stated again that the Lord hath promised yet once more. He shakes not only the earth, but also heaven that all that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made, separating the righteous from the wicked, the holy from the profane, from those that serve God versus those that do not serve God, the servants of God, those that are serving God, those are the ones that will be sealed in Revelation 7. But you cannot believe in a pre-tribulation rapture and have that sealing. Because he said in Amos 9, verse 9, there is a sealing going on, a, a sifting going on among the nations. And not the least grain will fall to the ground. But I'll destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword. That's God's people. Which say no evil shall prevent nor overtake us. No trouble. No tribulation. We're not going to have any birth pains. This is the same thing at Mystery Babylon. The great, the mother of harlots, says, I said a queen, I am no widow, and I will see no sorrow. No birth pains. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, these are the beginning of sorrows. These are the beginning of birth pains in you for the woman, the church, to be in travail and bring forth Christ Jesus in you. It is very necessary for these birth pains so that we can bring forth. For it is in the sufferings of the flesh that we cease from sin, as we see in 1 Peter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, be therefore likewise minded. Arm yourselves with this same mind. That's the mind of Christ. That is a sealing in Revelation 7 of the servants of God in their forehead. It's the mind of Christ. And if you believe in a pre-tribulation, rapture you are in heaven, why be sealed? Who shall be able to stand? Only those that are sealed. The servants of God in their forehead. Somebody said that's national Israel. No, it's not. It's the church, the elect, the servants that are serving God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the elect. According uh, to God's elect, election according to grace. And that is the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones. It's immediately after the tribulation of those days. Not before, not during, but after the tribulation of those days. Somebody said, well, wait a minute. I thought that we're not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. That's exactly right. So that's the reason why there's two wings of a great eagle given to the church, the woman, where she flies into the wilderness, not into heaven, into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared of God. There's your ceiling, where she's nourished from the face of the serpent. For a time, time's dividing of a time. It's not seven years of great tribulation. There's only three and a half years of great tribulation. That's the reason you're going to see time, time's a half, three and a half years, 42 months, 1,203 score days, over and over. In Daniel, you're going to see it in Ezekiel. You're going to see it uh, in Revelation 11, 12. Uh, Revelation 13, 42 months that he's going to come against the saints of God 
and prevail against them. And here is the faith and patience of the saints. He that killeth with a sword must die by the sword. Well, you're going to be hated of all nations for his name's sake. And Jesus warns us that some of you will be put to death. Be ye faithful unto death. You're going to have tribulation for 10 days. Be ye faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. What is the faith and patience of the saints in the last days? Here is the patience and faith of the saints. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must die by the sword. Know that God is going to render vengeance on them that have tribulationed you, given you trouble. And that's the reason the blood of the saints and the prophets are found in Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. We're still here until the Lord's, somebody said his appearing and his coming is two different events. The Lord's second coming is without sin unto salvation for the salvation of his saints, which he is his appearing. When he appears, he gives rewards unto his saints, his, his people, his servants. But there is a ceiling that must happen for us to stand in the last days. Somebody said, well, I've been taught in Revelation 4, verse 1, that John said there was a door opened in heaven and a voice of a trumpet talking with me, saying, come up hither and I'll show you things that will come to pass hereafter. He didn't say rapture there. That's nonsense. There's no rapture there. Come up hither and I'll show you things that will come. Show you things that will come to pass hereafter. You're coming into throne room revelation there. Not that you're there physically raptured. He's showing you things that will come to pass. And you see four and 20 seats in heaven. And those are the priesthood, which we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. Ephesians 1. But not raptured yet. And then we see four beasts before the throne of God. Four and twenty elders sitting upon the four and twenty seats, and four beasts. The four beasts of the Zoe, the living creatures, lion, man, calf, and eagle, which are the cherubim of glory, which will be the ones preaching that everlasting gospel in the last days when this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world. Well, the Antichrist is not preaching it. The national Israel, the nation of Israel, is not preaching it. The body of Christ is. Because we find in the former reign, in Acts the 8th chapter, that diaspora, there was a little scattering of the people of God. And we find in Daniel 12 that God will scatter the power of the holy people. And then the end will come. All things will be finished. And this will be for time Dying times and a dividing of a time, three and a half years. Daniel 12, after he's accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people. That's the church. Blessed he that waiteth and cometh at the thousand three hundred five and thirty days. Why? Because he's literally there alive and changed at the coming of the Lord, the second advent. But go thy way, Daniel, standing a lot uh, there. Well, we find here the Lord is giving us in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, exactly the time of his coming as far as the season, the season of his coming. Before he comes, 
There we find that Paul had to reiterate again the letter to Thessalonica because he had written to the church in Thessalonica, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a voice of the ark, with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, we which shall have and remain, shall be caught together and meet the Lord in air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore come from ye one another with these words. And they thought the Lord was coming right then. And he wrote a second letter. And we have at that time, that second letter, that he tells them again of the first chapter of why you're going through this tribulation, why you're going through this great affliction, a time of trouble such as never been such as was a nation. Jesus says in John 16, I have forewarned you that you should not be offended. The time will come they're going to live you up out of the churches, out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he did God a service. Whosoever kills you will think that he did God a service? Yes, because this they will do because they have not known the Father nor me. They do not know that Jesus is the Father of glory. And that will become evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse. And that is imperative that we receive the sealing of of the servants of God in their forehead. Now, we take a look at 2 Thessalonians, but the first, first chapter in 2 Thessalonians tells us, now, your faith is growth exceedingly. Why? Forsake not assembling yourselves together, as a manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord. The coming of the Lord God Almighty. But that day is a day of darkness, a day of gloominess. Alas, the great day, the day of the Lord cometh, as... Uh, destruction from the Almighty, so shall it come. It's a woeful day. And we find that we are to blow that trumpet in Zion, blow it in the church, sound an alarm in my holy mountain, and cry, alas, alas for the day, the day of the Lord cometh. He's already said right now to the ones that have an ear, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Prepare to meet your God. There's a preparation going on now to prepare those chambers the chambers that you enter into, enter into thy chambers until the indignation be overpassed. Isaiah 10 and Isaiah 28. What indignation? O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger, the staff in their hand is my indignation. What is the rod and staff of God? It's a saw in God's hand that says, uh, Acts, can you hew by yourself? Saul, can you Saul by yourself? That Antichrist is nothing but a saw or an axe or whatever in God's hand. But it's for, he created the destroyer to destroy. And that is why we see that great tribulation that is a final consummation of things and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake, because you're called on. You're called by the name of Jesus. You're called not only to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer for him, for his name's sake. And that is the great witness that you will have for the Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, and you shall receive power that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, mortars, Literally believing God, 
sealing your testimony with your own blood. I know that's not a popular message. It certainly won't preach in some of these little uh, televangelist uh, Rudy Tootie churches that you uh, believe God sealing your testimony with your own blood, rotting for yourselves a better resurrection. Hallelujah unto God, unto God just like uh, the ones dead in uh, Hebrews 11. The women received their dead, uh, brought back to life again, not accepting deliverance. Why? God would have delivered them, rotting for themselves a better resurrection. Dwelling caves, sheepskins, goatskins, of whom the world was not worthy. But we think you've got to have houses and lands and a big bank account. That's a false gospel. It's a false mammon money gospel. And God's sick of it. He's going to judge and he's going to tear those walls down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The end of the hired harlings is all uh, that Lord God will do in judgment. Woe and be the pastors. Woe be unto the pastors that have shed and and literally sheared my sheep and have not fed them. It would have been better for them if they had never stepped into a pulpit. When we see here, he said, Your faith goeth exceedingly to the church at Thessalonica. He had to write another letter. Now let me tell you why, Paul. Is, he's saying, look, you need to understand. Your faith is growing from faith to faith. It's growing exceedingly. And the charity of every one of you is abounding one toward another. Well, how did you get the charity? Well, you just didn't wake up, wake up one morning and boom, you were there. You had to, you had to add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godly, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness. Finally, charity, which is perfection. When that which is perfect has come, charity, First Corinthians thirteen, it tells you. Then all that which is important to be done away with. That's the reason charity will cover a multitude of sins and is a bond or guarantee of perfectness. There's no pre-tribulation rapture. The early church went through it. They sealed their testimony with their own blood. And there were mortars, faithful mortars. And Jesus commanded them. Antiphus, my faithful, faithful mortar, died between the porch and the altar. And even uh, Stephen, the first one there, Paul consenting unto Stephen's death. And later on, all the apostles dying a mortar's death except John, and that was for the continuance of uh, this revelation of Jesus on the Isle of Patmos. We see that Paul's telling us why. Your faith groweth exceedingly. The charity of every one of you is abounding one toward another. Well, as long as everything is great, as long as there's no suffering persecution, you see the blood of the saints is the seed better of the church is the growth of the church. The more you persecute it, the greater it's going to glow, to grow. And you've done it one of the least of these, my brethren. You've done it to me. You killed one of the saints of God. You have literally shed the blood of Jesus Christ in and through his body. And that, my friend, will be avenged. Woe be unto them. Woe, woe, woe be unto them that literally shed the blood of the saints and the prophets of God. That in one hour so great a city will be destroyed at once. We find there that our charity is abounding. 
one toward another. It is literally bringing the church into one as Joseph with the horns of a unicorn pushing his people, gathering the people into one, which is the mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world to gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus. That tribulation worketh patience. That patience worketh experience. And that experience worketh hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. But whenever there's death and you sealed your testimony with your own blood, if you don't believe it, the hired harling's going to run. Why? Because he's a hired harling. He's there for the money. He's not there for the real word of God. He's not there for Jesus. He's not a testimony of Jesus sealing his testimony with his own blood. He will not believe on God, believe the Lord God unto death. He'll run because he'll show what he is, a hired harling. Your charity abounds one toward another. Your faith is groweth exceedingly in all your tribulations and persecutions that you endure. Second Thessalonians 1. Why? Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Now, judgment must first begin at the house of God. Not raptured. Judgment. And the righteous scarcely be saved with difficulty. Then where shall the end of the sinner and the ungodly appear? If that begins at us, the house of God, where shall the end of that sinner and the ungodly appear? Oh, my friend, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hand of the living God. The wrath of God will taste the wrath of Satan. You see, Satan cometh down to you having great wrath. We're going to taste of the wrath of Satan. The man of sin, the son of perdition. And some of you will be caused to be put to death. Be faithful unto death. I'll give you a crown of life, Jesus said. Enter into your chambers for a little while. You have to have those chambers, and they have to be prepared, which is the treasuries and the treasures of God. Where's the treasures of God? It's hid in Christ Jesus. In him are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That is your chambers that you are to enter into until the indignation be overpassed, God says, and my anger ends in their destruction. The northern army, Babylon, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, doing everything they can, the beast riding upon a scarlet-colored beast. The name of the beast, the number of a man. She rides on that. And that does not have the revelation of Jesus and hates that name, the name of Jesus. We find, and then he elaborates more, that in that second chapter of Second Thessalonians, but he says that this tribulation and this persecution that you're going through is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. A token? Yes. If someone says, I'm going to give you a car, they don't literally drive the car into your house and, and literally present the car. They give you the keys to the car and the title. Well, that token of God's righteous judgment is a tribulation and persecution that you endure. That's how you know you're in the kingdom. You're suffering for righteousness' sake, for his name's sake, not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. 
Paul puts it this way, for trouble on every side, but not in distress, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? That the life of the Lord Jesus may be manifest in us. For we which live are always delivered unto death. Somebody said, I thought we were supposed to be delivered into a fat bank account and a house on the hill and mansions and, and stretched limos and just money flying everywhere. I give God a thousand, gives me ten thousand. He's a glorified banker. No. That's a false gospel. It's always been a lie. That's the blind leading the blind, boom, both falling into the ditch. But those of you that know the word, not only called to believe on Jesus, but to suffer for his name's sake. You suffer with him, you'll reign with him. As you've been partaker of the sufferings, you'll also be partaker of the consolation. Jesus, Paul went on and said, For we which live are always delivered unto death. Why? That the life of the Lord Jesus may be manifest in our mortal bodies. Why? For a light affliction, which is only but for a moment. Affliction is tribulation. And it will be great tribulation and great afflictions later on. Afflictions for his namesake. He said, for, for our light affliction, which is only but for a moment, Think about it, 70 years even. And by strength of 80 years, by reason of strength, he goes to four scores, 80 years. Yet, it's nothing but a, 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 a here today and gone tomorrow as a blade of grass, so are we. Today is and cast, tomorrow cast into the oven. Sufficient to tomorrow's evil thereof. It's, it's here today and gone tomorrow. As a very first smoke, so are our, so are our lives. It's what we do for the Lord Jesus that counts. And there, whenever uh, he said this light affliction, which is only but for a moment, worketh for you a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's forever. So we suffer for 40, 50, 60, 70, whatever the years are. What does that compare to an eternity? But we want to find a way to get out. We're going to escape these things. Escape with a rapture. The escape, my friend, is in your entering into your chambers till that indignation, Isaiah 10, be overpassed. And God said, and then my anger ends in their destruction until the indignation be accomplished. Now, that's Daniel 11. Many of understanding shall fall to try to purge and to make them white. And many, they'll cleave to them with flatteries that have uh, indignation against the Holy Covenant. And they will uh, cleave to them with flatteries and by peace shall destroy many. And that's what we're seeing now. You know, this mammon money gospel, what a joke. Oh, they're rebuking everything in the world and no power. Why? Because there's no sufferings. There's no glory without the sufferings. It works for you a more exceedingly eternal weight of glory. And that is the reason for it. For 1 Peter 4, 1 says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind, 
That is that ceiling we're going to have. We have to prepare those chambers. Those are the priest chambers, and we're called as king priests. You've got to have those chambers, and it has to be prepared. And that's not just repentance, friend. That is going unto and partaking of all the feasts of the Lord, eating his flesh and drinking the blood of the Son of Man, having plenty of oil in your lap, being led and guided into all truth. And then you'll be able to stand in the evil day. Without that ceiling, it is impossible to stand. But the priest chambers is, has to be prepared. We're preparing for the work of the ministry now, Ephesians 4.12. The priesthood and in those chambers were only in, not Moses' tabernacle, but Solomon's temple. Why? Because Moses' tabernacle was dedicated in the Passover. It spoke, it spoke of the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and that uh, first season there of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the Pentecostal season, Acts 2. But now we're in that seventh month, Tishri. We're in that, that ethneme. We're in the 21st day of that seventh month. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll shake the nations, and the desire of nations shall come. All the silver and gold is mine, and I'll make the glory of the latter house greater than that of the former. We're talking about the latter rain. Ask you if it rains, Zechariah 10, 1. Ask you if it rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord will make bright clouds, send forth showers to everyone, grass in the field. But we have to ask. We have to prepare. We have to have this word, this oil in our lamp. That when he comes, we can enter in with him. And he will put shut the door, just as he did with Noah and that ark. And it was another seven days before the fountains of the great deep were opened up and the rain, the windows of heaven opened and it rained 40 days and 40 nights. We find that Paul is stating this again to the church at Thessalonica because they jumped. They thought Jesus was coming any minute. They did not understand Acts 3, 20, 21. The heavens must receive Jesus until the times of the restitution of all things, the restoration of all things. They did not understand what Jesus said in Matthew 17, that whenever the disciples came to him after coming down off the mount, that mountain apart where he was transfigured with Peter, James, and John, Moses and Elijah being with Jesus on the mountain, they saw Jesus only. They said, why do the disciples of John say that Elijah must come first? Jesus stated, Elijah truly must first come and restore all things. Why? Because in Acts 3, it tells you why. Because the heavens must receive Jesus. He's going to stay there until the restitution of all things, until everything's restored. And then, and when we're entering into all faith, not in the sweet by and by, being led of the Holy Ghost into all truth, then the Lord will come. When uh, Paul is stating that, he's stating that in that Second Thessalonians, the first chapter. Why? This tribulation and persecution that you endure is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. He's beginning judgment at the house of God. And Deuteronomy 32 says this is sealed up among God's treasures. This is the treasure. This is the chambers of the priest's treasures. 
Is this not sealed up among my treasures, saith the Lord? It's going to be revealed in the last days. Oh, that they were wise, that they would consider their latter end. To the law and to the testimony. If any speak not according to this word, Isaiah 8, it is because there is no life in them. What law? To the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What testimony? To the testimony. To the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19.10. That's the only way any servant of God can be sealed. And God is doing that now to those that have an ear to hear. For the time to come. Why this tribulation? Well, it worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. Experience worketh hope. But Paul goes on and tells us, then all this persecution and tribulation that you're enduring, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, your faith is going from faith unto faith. Your faith is growing exceedingly. The charity of every one of you is abounding one toward another. You let great persecution hit the church and that body will come together. And we will forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. The denominational walls will be broken down. We'll come into the unity of the faith until the knowledge of the Son of God. It'll, it'll drive the body of Christ into deep prayer, fasting, dedication, and consecration at the altar of incense, offering a realm's dedication. We find that Paul goes on and says this, this charity of abounding one toward another. You've, you've added to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience. You've keep adding, you've kept going. You've added to your uh, patience, godliness, the God life. You've lived it. Now you've come to brotherly kindness and finally to charity. And Paul said here, now your charity is abounding one toward another. That's not just love. That's the love of God based in doing his will based in his word, not just love. It's the love of God in obedience to his commandments. That's charity. Charity is not just love. It's love based in doing the will of God in his word. Now we have the reason why this tribulation persecution that you endure, it's a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Paul said so. Then he goes on and said, that you might be accounted worthy, worthy, Worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to render tribulation to them that have troubled or tribulationed you. That's the reason why it first begins at the house of God. It gives way to judgment. And this light affliction, which is only but for a moment, works for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's for you and me, the ones that endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Not endure to the rapture, endure to the end. What end? The end of the age. Going into that dispensation of the kingdom age, a thousand year millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Now let's take a look at where we are present day. We got to prepare those chambers, the priest chambers. Then he says, enter into those chambers. Hide yourself a little while until that indignation be overpassed, till it's accomplished. Then mine anger will end in their destruction. If you see now, Paul goes on and says, now look, this is a righteous thing with God 
to render tribulation to them that have troubled you. We're tasting of the wrath of Satan. Satan cometh down to you having great wrath. That's not the wrath of God. That's the wrath of Satan. When you see 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, he breaks it down even further and gets to the meat of why he's writing this second letter. He's telling the reason of why you're going through tribulation and persecution and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But he goes on and states why. He said, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, somebody said, well, that's his coming. That's not his appearing. Take a look. And by our gathering together unto him. That's an appearing. Our gathering together unto him. That's the rapture. That you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that first letter I wrote you, that first letter to the church at Thessalonica troubled you, as that the day of Christ is at hand, the day of Christ is the day of the Lord. Christ is the Lord. It's not a separate day. There's only one God. Christ is the Lord. The Lord is uh, Jesus Christ. And when the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We all with open face beholding the glass of the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. And this is going all the way to charity, which will cover a multitude of sins. And that charity is when that which is perfect is come, perfecting the body of Christ. He said, let no man deceive you because there'll be a great deception in the last days. Many false prophets going out in the land. And this is a profound chapter. Paul giving us great insight as to the present day we are living in. Let no man deceive you by any means. Deception everywhere. Money gospel everywhere. Rudy tooty, fresh and fruity. No cross, a crossless Christianity. For that day, that day of Christ, shall not come, and are gathered together in him, the rapture, except there come a falling away first. Now Paul stated what that was in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Giving heed to those? Yes, the very elect, if possible, would be deceived. Because of signs, miracles, and lying wonders that these false prophets will do. And they'll do it in the name Jesus. And deceive many in my name. Just because they say the name of Jesus does not make them true or righteous or holy in the sight of God. He said here, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, that day are gathering together in him. That rapture shall not come until there come a falling away first. Spirits speak their expressly in the latter days. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to these seducing spirits. Easy believism, no cross, doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared. That's a Hebrew 6. No more room uh, for repentance seeing they crucify again afresh the Son of God. Sad state of affairs, friend. Sad, sad state of affairs. There, that what? If, uh, conscious here with our heart, forbidden to marry, abstaining from meats, which God has sanctified by the word of God in prayer. 
They're taking lordship over God's heritage. Doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Ruling over the laity. Saying pernicious ways are okay. That the Lord loves you, everybody's saved. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about obedience to righteousness. And uh, Romans 6, don't worry about obeying God. He loves you. You're saved. You got that out of the way. What a lie. What a lie that these ministers, that false hired harlings are going to literally burn for it, according to the word of God. He said, let them see that day that gathered again the Lord, you will come away, except they will not come until there comes a falling away first. People start falling away from the faith. And that man of sin be revealed. The son of perdition. Now the son will have the same character as perdition. Perdition. Literal Satan himself, the dragon giving him his seat and great authority. Now, for what? Why would God allow this? You see in Jeremiah 4 it says, Jeremiah speaking to God said, Lord, it is as if you have deceived this people saying peace and behold the sword reaches unto the soul dividing the spirit and soul asunder the thoughts and tents of the hearts revealed and the ones that have in the imagery of their mind the Peletai the high priest fell dead Ezekiel said And Ezekiel cried out, Lord, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel in the pouring out of this judgment? He will not make a full end. There will be a remnant of the woman, the church, that can keep the commandments of God because they love him and have the testimony of Jesus. That's the faith that was once delivered to the saints. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which is knowing those things that are come upon the earth in the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist, Jesus Christ, whereby we will be able to stand through his sealing. Now he says here, that man of sin is going to be revealed. There's no rapture until the man of sin is revealed. You don't have to worry about, you know, who is he? Where is he? What, what is it? He's going to be revealed. God said it. Now, this son of perdition, this man of sin, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Now, that's a capital G-O-D. Or that is worship. So that he as God, capital G-O-D, setteth in the temple of God, capital G-O-D, showing himself that he is God, capital G-O-D. What a deception. And God's allowing it. For those that want some little uh, money God, he's going to forecast his devices and prosper. The God of forces, he will honor the epitome of pride, exalting himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God setteth in the temple. That temple's not an iron. It's not a physical, literal temple. Now, there could be an iron, 
the Mosque of Omar that uh, uh, on the Temple Mount may be torn down or maybe found it was in a lo- wrong location and build a temple somewhere else. But that's not what he said here. He didn't say Iron, a physical brick-and-mortar temple. He said Naos, the spiritual temple of God. You see, in Pergamos is where Satan's seat is, where Satan dwelleth. In Pergamos, Pergamon, in the seven churches. Not, we're made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But not only is this man of sin, the son of perdition, in the churches, the spirit of the Antichrist, as well as the man of sin being the epitome of it, not sitting on the first row, but behind the pulpit. Oh, my. And God's allowing it. And if the prophet speaks a thing and it comes to pass, Deuteronomy 13, saying, let us go after other gods, more than one God. The Lord trieth you. He tries me to see if we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and might. And if it comes to pass, so it came to pass. So that doesn't necessarily mean it's God. Try the spirits to see whether they're of God. Any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, the Father of glory, Christ, the Holy Ghost, is come in the flesh, present in perfect tense, still coming in the flesh, is of God. You have to say that Jesus Christ, that Christ, Jesus is the is that Christ, which is the Father, which is the Son of God. Because the Father is the invisible spirit, and the Son is that invisible spirit revealed. That's Christ. Christ is your ceiling. 1 John 2.22 Who is a liar but he that denied that Jesus is the Christ? He's Antichrist. What's this Antichrist? Right there. He has denied the Father. Has he denied the Father? Because Christ is the Father. He's the invisible spirit. Ephesians 4 tells you there's one body, one spirit. Not two, not a spirit, junior. One spirit. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God who's above all, Father of all. And in us all. Who? The Father. He has sent forth the spirit of his son, Galatians 4, 6, into our hearts where by we cry of a father. There's only one spirit. One of the same. Son, Father, one of the same. Now, if you have not understood why God made himself of no reputation, you need to get the podcast on the making himself of no reputation, how God works salvation in and of himself. You certainly need to know that. How God, not God Jr., but God himself, Christ himself works salvation. Now, with this said, He's telling us about this present time of when this son of perdition, the man of sin, is going to be revealed. And he said he sits in the temple of God, and that's a naos, a spiritual temple. Pergamos, where Satan's seed is, where Satan dwelleth. In the church? Yes. But God's going to do a work on separate the righteous from the wicked. From the wicked? Yes. Where's the tares? Right along with the wheat. Where? In the church. Let them grow together. Until the work of God, until that strange work, bring to pass his act, his strange act, the overflowing scourge will pass through. It has surprised the hypocrite. Don't mock at it. 
lest your bands be made strong. Isaiah 28. Now, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He's going to harden people's hearts that do not listen to that word. The word that's going forth now, not our word, the word of the Lord. His work revealed by the Holy Ghost. Lest the bands of your heart be hardened. For I have heard, Isaiah said, from the Lord of hosts, a consumption decreed upon all the inhabitants of the land. Somebody said, we're out of here. No, you're not looking at Ezekiel 21. This sword drawn is upon the head of the righteous as well as the wicked. See that I draw forth my sword out of his sheath against all flesh. It's going to judgment begin at the house of God. Against all flesh. And the righteous scarcely be saved. Pre-tribulation rapture. Ha. Friend, you better take a good look at it. Because he said, I'll destroy all the sinners of my people that say, which say no evil, no tribulation, no trouble. Shall prevent nor overtake us. Amos 9.10. You better take a good look at it. Somebody said, it doesn't matter what you believe. Oh, yes, it does. It makes a big day. Every scripture has an eternal consequence with every jot and tittle of this word. Somebody said, oh, how can you believe that? I didn't say it. The Lord did. Paul stated in Hebrews 4, take heed lest a singular promise, a promise slip any of you that you should seem to come short of entering into his rest. He said, I wish I could impart some gift or that which is lacking you unto perfection. Coming unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And right here, this Antichrist, this son of perdition, this man of sin, is sitting in the temple of God, opposing all that is God or that is worship, so that he as God setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, watch the next verse. Remember ye not, when I was with you, I told you, these things, these things are the things of faith. Faith is the substance of things. I told you these things. I told you what Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. I've given you the real revelation of Jesus. Not some trinity, not binitarian or oneness doctrine, but a Jesus only doctrine, the blessed and only potentate, who only hath immortality, dwelling with light which no man can approach unto, nor see nor can see. I've shown you, Paul said, the real Christ. And then I'm telling you, there was a false Christ coming, moving the foundation of Christ over in an Antichrist, which is something that looks good, it is simple, and it is a seducing spirit to get them off the foundation rock of Christ. And he has done it. Just as Jesus said they would, just as Paul said they would, just as Peter and just as John said there in his epistles. And the book of the Revelations details it. As we see here, he said, uh, And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Who? The son of perdition, a man of sin. What's withholding? That he might be revealed. Something restraining him, withholding him, that he might be revealed. Look at verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity... The mystery of iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness. It is not being led of the Spirit of God. It is lawlessness to the law. 
to the testimony. If any speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. What is that iniquity? It's lawlessness. Then say sin, sin is transgression of the law. What is iniquity? Iniquity is not being led of the Spirit of God. You may have the Spirit of God. You may be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, but you don't obey it. That's carnally minded, which is death. Then he says uh, that that mystery of iniquity, like the mystery of godliness is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mystery without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. You know, you add it to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, uh, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness. Godliness is the God life. Well, how do we have that God life? Great is the mystery of godliness, the God life, little g. What was what is that mystery? Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest, capital G-O-D. God was manifest in the flesh. In other words, he's the one that did it for us. Not God Jr., not a second person of the Godhead. First Timothy 3.16, God was manifest in the flesh. He's already done it. Work's done. Finished, completed. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preaching to the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up in the glory. Who? God himself. The son of God is God himself. The man is God. And you'll find that in Isaiah 43.10. You'll find it in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, how God did it in and of himself alone. 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not another God. Christ is God. 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. So you can see how the rock has been moved, shifted. The Antichrist moving things over. A crossless Christianity. A money God. A mammon loving the world and taking the world into the church and overthrowing the faith of many. What is happening? The mystery of iniquity doth already work. It's working. It did in Paul, Paul's day. It did in John's day. John said in, in 1 John 4, verse 1, Hereby try ye the spirits. Why? Because many false prophets are already entered into the world. How do you try the spirits to see whether they are of God? Any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come of the flesh is of God. That is, Jesus Christ is the Father. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost is come in the flesh, present imperfect tense, still doing it until the fullness of the Gentiles become in, then all Israel will, will be saved, natural and spiritual. Natural will go into the millennial as the righteous nations and the church as uh, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God, but they will walk in the name of their gods, judges, the Elohim. That's another subject in itself. But the thing now is, don't believe a pre-trib rapture. Because there's a ceiling that has to be happened, and if you believe in a pre-trib, you will not seek God for the ceiling. You'll think, well, why get sealed? We're not here anyway. <laughs> Seal the servants of God, and therefore in Revelation 7. Who do you think that is? That's the church. There, we have the mystery of iniquity, death already work. Watch it now. Only he who now letteth will let or will restrain. It's an old 
when we're talking about that that Greco uh, Greek word there, let to restrain. Uh, back in the old, the Shakespearean days, they would say, uh, only he now will let, he will restrain. Well, it means to not let, to let them or give them permission or allow them to do. It means to restrain it, to stand against it. Only he who now restrains or hinders it will hinder until he be taken out of the way. Now, who is that he? That he is not a capital. It's not capitalized. It's not deity. It is not God. When someone said, well, what is it? Well, all the church fathers said it was Rome. It was the civil authority of the Roman government that held back the power from the Roman papacy, from the Roman church to take over. And how does that apply to, to us today? It's the civil government. It's the law of the land, a reverence to the law. Civil law. It is he. Civil law. Governments. Yes, I'm going to be first, first in the church apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. And then you find governments. Well, those governments there. Now, there's governments of God and there's governments there of, of Satan. But they, the law, it says there to pray for the powers that be, for there's no power that is that is not ordained of God. That's what's taken out of the way. It's ordained of God, but it's going to be removed. God is going to remove it, not man. God is going to remove the civil authority. When, when you have, as in America, they're saying, take the, the, the weapons and the farms away from the police force. We don't need uh, the armed service of the uh, Air Force uh, Marines, a Navy, and Army. We don't, we don't need all of that. But when you do not have reverence for the law, then you have anarchy. You have a, a climate that tyranny can come in and take over at any time because there's no reverence for the law. And that's where we're getting in America. No reverence for the law. Matter of fact, they'll spit on a uniform of a lawman. And you get in trouble, who do you call? You call, for, you call for the police. You call for help. But yet, now it is called good evil and evil good. And these are ministers of God, which are for our good. He does not bear the sword in vain. And if you do evil, then fear. But we're to pray for the authorities that be, the powers that be, for they're ordained of God. That's a civil government. That is what's taken out of the way. And when that's taken out of the way, then religiosity, the religions, and I don't mean Christianity. I mean a spiritualism of a cult, just like Hitler with his third right and prognosticators and uh, uh, enchanters, uh, trying every way in the world he could in the occult, occult world to rule and reign over the nations of the world. We're just going to see this happen again. In the one world government, they think that they're pying for peace here, but it's going to deceive many. And we're talking about the 21 agenda. We're talking about 2030 agenda uh, there. And we're not going to get into the conspiracy theories. It's there. We know it. 
Of course it is. We're going to serve the Lord God Almighty. His will will be done. That, then it, uh, the indignation, that, that is determined, will be done. Now, the thing is, we have to know when and what it is and be not ignorant and have our head in the sand. We have to understand, just as Issachar, the, the, the knowledge of the times, the understanding of the times. Issachar, my heart, my reward, my buckler, my shield, my reward. Uh, Issachar had that, of that tribe, had the understanding of the times, and God's calling us for that. When we see that this, this mystery, this secrecy, this mystery of iniquity, this, this secrecy, it's, it's hidden. It's, it's working, but it's, high, it's working behind the scenes in the governments of man. Not in the government of God, but in the government of man. But when that civil government is removed, not the rapture of the church, when the civil government is removed, then, then any tyrant can take over. It says here, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, and he'll till he be taken out of the way. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's not the church. That's not the rapture. It is civil authority that is literally ordained of God in the earth. And when that happens, it will be not that which is now that mystery of iniquity that's working and as already that Antichrist, which is already in the world, as it's been a mystery, will be openly revealed. It'll take open and revealing and unveiling there and sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. How much of a deception is this? Well, let's see. Let's just read on. And this is happening today in America. There's no reverence for law, civil government. If somebody doesn't like what's happening, they just bust windows out. Laugh at the law. Think we need to disband them. Uh, no weapons. I guess time out in the corner or something. I don't know. But Mr. Iniquity did already work. It's already there. Paul uh, said it was. Uh, John said it was. already. The Antichrist is already there. He said, any spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Second John 9. If he does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, he hath not God. 2 John 9. 1 John 2.22. Who is the liar, but he is the night that Jesus is the Christ. He's Antichrist. What's the Antichrist? He's denied the Father. He's denied the Son. He does not believe that Jesus is that Spirit. He is the Father of glory. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. That's an Antichrist. That is that spirit of Antichrist. And you can see why most churches in a trinity are going to fall right into it because they do not believe that Jesus is Jehovah, Lord God Almighty. And then, when that happens, this one of tyranny, this this one, this little horn will come up. Three of all one will come up speaking great things against the God of God's. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Not in secret or mystery anymore, not hidden, but literally opened. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. The working of Satan, 
the son of perdition, the man of sin, has uh, he's coming after the working of Satan, the way Satan works. Get it now. Look out for number one. If you don't, nobody else will. Who he who has a goal makes the rules, perverting the scriptures, calling evil good and good evil. And it says that he's coming. Watch this with all power. Uh oh. And signs. You want a sign? You're gonna get one. And lying wonders. Now, Joshua, the son of Josedek, the body of Christ, and Zechariah 3, to him that hath an ear, let him hear. These men offer signs and wonders. That's the true body of Christ. But these are lying wonders. And uh, it is with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness, not some. This is the epitome, the fullness of blown power of Satan, all power, after, the, after, after Satan, the old serpent, the scorpion, the devil, the dragon himself, with all power signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. They hate you. They hate the name of Jesus. You will be hated at this time of all nations because they receive not. Why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They didn't love the truth because they didn't like to keep truth in their knowledge and didn't like to keep God in their knowledge. What does God do? And for this cause, God himself shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Just like Micaiah was prophesying Jehoshaphat and Ahab uh, that they should, uh, uh, all the prophets were prophesying to Jehoshaphat and Ahab, go down to Ramoth Gilead. Go down to Ramoth Gilead. God has put them in your hand. But Jehoshaphat, it just didn't sound right. It was all light, vain, no weight to it, no anointing. I said, don't you have another prophet here? Yeah, I've got another one, but he always speaks evil of me, the king said, Ahab. Joshua said, not so. Bring him on. Well, they went and fetched Micaiah, which is the same as Michael. Micaiah, uh, you know, who is like God, who is like Yah. Michael, who is like El, who is like God. And Micaiah came up. And so he said, uh, uh, I would not even speak to you if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat. But then Micaiah made a joke out of it, mocked him. Go up, go up to Ramoth Gideon. God put him in your hand. <laughs> he was mocking the prophets. And then he said, I jeer you in the name of, of the Lord God. And Micah said, yeah, I saw the Lord. And I saw all them before the throne, the angelic host. And God said, who will go for us and, uh, and let Ahab to fall in battle? Who will go? What shall we do? One angel said this, another angel said that, and then there's one angel said, I'll go down, and I will be a lying spirit in all his prophets. 
The prophets that telleth lies is the tale that draws a third part of the stars of heaven. And there is going to be wormwood falling into pure waters and they will be made better. They were in the truth and it will be made better, wormwood, and by peace will destroy many. And all that drink of that water, wormwood, will die. We have to know the truth. And Ahab said, see, I told you he speak evil of me. He said, thrown down over the bread of affliction until I come back. Micaiah said, if you come back at all, God has not spoken by me. And you know what happened. Ahab was killed. They lost the battle ring with Gilead. Jehoshaphat showed his stuff, and they were about to kill him. The same was happening here. God himself is the one sending the strong delusion. And friend, if that heart is not 100% for God in both spirit, soul, and body, then if it were possible, the very elect will be deceived. We have to be very careful. And hold on to the truth. And God, you know, guard your heart for out of it proceed all the issues of life. This is a very serious thing. We're seeing America fall right into it now. Civil government going. No reverence for the law at all. It's happening right now before our eyes. And no one lays it to heart. And we're going, you know, it's just closer to the rapture. Matter of fact, some of them said, well, uh, just like it was in the days of Rome. They were praying for Rome to go ahead and take over. And uh, and move out of the way to let the Roman papacy take over because they think the rapture would be there. <laughs> oh my goodness! There was some to see back then, but most of the fo- of the of the Christian fathers then warned the people: keep the civil government and pray for those that are in authority, because they are for your good. They're holding back that force, that son of perdition, that man of sin. It's holding back that one is going to work the mystery of iniquity and it will be opened in that day. They knew what it was. We're told it's a rapture of the church. Uh-uh. No. It's civil government. And uh, he said, God say himself, sending strong delusion to believe a lie and be damned because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And watch it now. He said... Uh, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What is righteousness? Jesus is God Almighty, the Father that came into the world, manifest as the Son of God, the Father revealed, died, buried, and rose again, and then went back to heaven and then sent his Spirit back to us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Who is this Christ? Jesus, while he was in the world, said, while I'm with you, he said, I'll pray the Father send another comforter whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. See, when Jesus is glorified, he's coming back as the Holy Ghost, the man, Christ Jesus. That man made a quickening spirit, 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The second Adam was made a quickening spirit. Not a spiritual man, a quickening spirit. The Lord is that spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 And now that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But they didn't like to receive that. They didn't want to keep that in their mind. They did not want to give Jesus the glory due to his name. 
That is unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is Jesus Christ is not the Father that came down manifest in the flesh. That God was manifest in the flesh. Now Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Jesus Christ is that spirit, the Father of glory. He is the Holy Ghost, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's still coming in the flesh, is come, present, in perfect tense. 1 John 4, verse 1 through 3, 4. This is what people have pleasure in unrighteousness. You're holding to a Trinity doctrine. You're in unrighteousness. You're holding to a binatarian. You're in unrighteousness. You're holding to a Jesus only that the man is not God. You're in unrighteousness. You believe the man is God? You're in the righteousness of God by faith. That Jesus Christ is that, is that spirit. He is the Father. He is that Son. He is that spirit. Whosoever believe that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 1 John 5 verse 1. The Son of God has come and give us an understanding of him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even in his Son. This is the only true God and eternal life. Not God, Junior. God. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. 1 John 5 20. It's everywhere. Jesus Christ is that Spirit. He is that Father. He is the Holy Ghost. He is Christ. That, if you believe that, you're in righteousness. If you do not believe that, you have pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to thank always. Give thanks always to God for you, brethren. Become beloved of the Lord. Why? Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through what? Through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. You got to be sanctified, holy, both spirit, soul, and body. You got to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ and to a perfect man. Ephesians 4.12 For the work of the ministry. You have to be an overcomer in obedience to righteousness and those that do not obey him and do the will of God in Matthew 7 he said depart from me you the work of iniquity I never knew you for you did not do the will of my father which is in heaven Jesus is the father in the days of his flesh he was one of us in his glorification he went back to the, the glory of the father where he was before that is John 17 5 what is this? What is this? Uh, uh, this, the rapture catching up together to beat the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord? He tells you what happens there in Second Thessalonians that we will know and be known of Him. That we will before He comes. It says in First Corinthians thirteen, when that which is perfect has come. All that which is in part will be done away with. Now we know in part. We have knowledge in part. Whether we prophecies, they will fail. Knowledge just shall cease. We, have, we know it in part. But then when that which is perfect has come, charity, then all that which is in part will be done away with. Then we will know even as we're known of him. That's led and guided into all truth, sealed by the Lord God of the servants in our foreheads. Revelation 7. Why? Because you're still here. 
until the coming of the Lord when he sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives in Zechariah 14. This same Jesus you see ascended to heaven shall also come, return again in like manner. If you look, take a look. I'll leave that scripture with you in Acts of the 14th chapter. I have no Acts 15. Acts the 15th chapter. And the Gentiles were being brought into the church. We had that first in Acts the 10th chapter. We have Cornelius of the Italian band uh, being preached to by Peter along those. And as he's preaching Jesus, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Then he said, commanding man forbid water. This should not be baptized. They received the Holy Ghost as well as we commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, the Gentiles were being saved and coming into the body of Christ. And we see there in verse 13, Acts 15, verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James, that's a pastor of the church of Jerusalem, saying, men and brethren, hearken unto me. Now, Peter had already spoken, Paul had already spoken about the Gentiles, whether they should be circumcised or not at Antioch. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take of them a people for his name. The Gentiles coming in too, not just the uh, the Jews or Israel, national Israel, but to the Gentiles as well. And he said, Simeon, Simon Peter has already said how God did visit the Gentiles, Cornelius' house, and he expounded that. And to this agree the words of the prophet. What prophet? As it is written, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David. Build again the tabernacle of David. Yes. Which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof. And I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord. All. Not just Jew. Not Israel only, but the Gentiles as well. And all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known of God all his works from the beginning to the end. Now notice he's saying that building that tabernacle of David is the Gentiles coming into the church. Now as we go to Amos, we're going to see this is what James was quoting. And James there's uh, 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 there the, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, there in Acts the 15th chapter, stating that the Gentiles coming into the church is rebuilding the house of David. Because the house of David is Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Why David? Because it, 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 Jesus is of the seed of David according to the flesh. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. And the Gentiles are now having Jesus Christ who is coming in the flesh. And we see that in Amos the ninth chapter and after uh, verse 9, 10, and 11, he goes on and says, for I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among the nations. That's a sifting gun, sifting going on. Like as corn is sifted in a sieve. What you're doing, you're separating wheat from the chaff. Yet shall not the least grain fall upon the ground. God is going to save everyone that's in truth. Then he says, but the sinners, what happens to the ones that are not in the truth? All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword. For what reason? Which say the evil 
the tribulation. What tribulation? Their flight in the winter and on the Sabbath day, the Shabbat, the great tribulation. The tribulation is a tribulation has never been since it was a nation to this present time. Neither shall ever be again. That tribulation, that evil, the evil. Notice it's got a capital T there. The evil shall not overtake nor prevent us. You're sitting there saying the same thing Babylon did. Mr. Babylon. I said, a queen, I am no widow. I will see no sorrow. I will have no trouble. I will have no tribulation. I will have no persecution and no afflictions. You see, in Luke's gospel, it says, instead of great tribulation, it says great affliction. A time of affliction, says there's never one, says there was a people. It's one and the same. Affliction, tribulation. We will be delivered out of it. Some will be, some of us will seal our testimony with our own blood as a witness unto the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 11. In that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. <clears throat> this is what James, the pastor of church at Jerusalem, is quoting. In that day, will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof, <clears throat> and I will raise up his reins. And I will build it as in the days of old. What is that? The Gentiles coming into the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. And that includes the Gentiles. Friend, <clears throat> there is no pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation rapture. There's a rapture, but it's at, after the flight in winter. It's after that Sabbath. It's immediately after the tribulation of those days when a sign of the Son of Man appear in heaven and will gather together his elect from the four corners of the earth to the four corners of heaven. That is after Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Please believe the truth because if we do not, then we will not make the sealing of Revelation 7, which will have to be in a servant's forehead, or we will not be able to stand. Let us hear from you. This is Sealing God's People podcast with your host, Dennis Beard. You can reach us at dennisbeard.org, or you can drop us a line at sealinggodspeople.org. We would love to hear from you. Friend, we have our gift offer this month, gift offer 1001, which is eight. DVDs in the Jesus only doctrine of Christ which is essential for sealing going from babies to little children that to overcomers and then final fathers having their father's name written in their foreheads I think you'll find it a blessing to you eight DVDs roll over two hours teaching on each DVD on the revelation of Jesus Christ now, you can get this right to me, Dennis Beard, at Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas. Zip code says 75606. That's Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas. Zip code 75606. Or visit our website, DennisBeard.org, or SealingGodsPeople.org. Request your copy, 8 DVDs. On the revelation of Jesus Christ, mention offer 1001. 
That's 1001 for your gift of $100 or more, and we'll get it right out to you. Again, that's the Revelation of Jesus Christ, eight DVDs, over two hours teaching on each separate DVD of eight DVDs, over 16 hours of teaching. Therefore, normally a gift of 160, you can have it, or gift offer for this month, gift offer 1001-1001, request the Revelation of Jesus Christ for your gift of $100 or more right there at Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606, or the website, dennisbeard.org, or I know it'll be a blessing to you. Until the next time, Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.